Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the PFFA podcast. I am Kyle McLowry, and I'm here with Tara Stein. Did I say that correctly? You did. Awesome. Tara, not Tara. <laughs> I'll probably do it wrong. And I'm here with Maria, Vice President, Maria Fuge. Thank you folks for being here this morning. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Excellent. So um, we're here to introduce Tara uh, to the membership. Uh, I think you've got a little bit of a membership, uh, of an introduction through Roll Call, just a little blurb, a little memo. Um, you are our new behavioral health coordinator. Is that your That's title? That's the title, yeah. Excellent. So let's just start out with a little bit of an introduction, maybe a little bit of your history, where you're from, mm-hmm. um, as a way of introduction, and we can sort of go from there. Sure. So I'm originally from Alabama, and um, I lived there until I was 23, moved to California for graduate school, mm-hmm. and lived in California for eight years, and then um, my family and I moved to Portland 15 years ago, and have been here ever since, really love it. We live in Portland in the Woodstock neighborhood. <clears throat> oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we have two kids, I have a nine-year-old, almost 10 in fourth grade, goes to Lewis Elementary. Mm-hmm. And we have a daughter who's a freshman in college at Grand Canyon University in Arizona. Oh, nice spread there. Yeah. Um, so there's no, there's no residue of that Alabama uh, in your yeah. voice anymore. Well, people ask oh. that. And when I was 23, and moved to San Francisco, um, mm-hmm. my very first social work class, we had to introduce ourselves. And I said, you know, I'm from Alabama. I just moved here. And everybody laughed. And when you're 23, that's very traumatic. And so I, I was like, I am going to work this out of my head. No one will ever laugh. You took it I'm out. I'm from Alabama again, but my husband says that I have a little draw sometimes. A little bit. It comes out. Okay. Yeah. All right. It says here. So I looked a little bit about. So you did your um, got your uh, social work degree at, at San Francisco State. Is that what it was? UCSF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have okay. a bachelor's in social work uh, from Alabama A and M, and then I have a master's of social work from San Francisco State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you came up here 15 years ago, and I see you had a job, or you're working um, with Reliant Behavioral Health. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the jo- the job description there, what you were doing there, and how that maybe overlaps a yeah. little bit? Does it overlap a little bit? It does the- overlap, actually, um, for about half of what I'm my current role is. So they're, um, the Reliant is an EAP. They're mm-hmm. now Uprise Health. They were bought out by a different company, but um, it was a family-owned EAP business in Portland for a long time. Um, I was a clinical manager there, and so my role was um, helping people access their EAP benefits through Reliant. I worked a lot with employers on that side, um, helping them kind of talk through scenarios or issues that they were having with employees. Um, I did a lot of like crisis call work, um, Mm -hmm. coordinating uh, critical incident debriefings. And so, yeah, it was, you know, I'd been there for 15 years. I like doing that job. Were you managing the the uh, clinicians, or were you actually also having a practice r- responding to the people calling for EAP? Does that make Does that make sense? Yeah. So I wasn't managing clinicians. We had a small team of um, clinicians that were mm-hmm. all clinical managers, and we just sort of uh, triage things as they came in. So okay. they would be uh, one of you know, either it would be an employee calling in either in crisis or not in crisis. Mm-hmm. If in crisis, we would do crisis management over the phone. Um, this was all done over the phone. Um, or we would help them access uh, counselors in their area for whatever their issues were. Um, it could be employer groups calling in because they um, had some traumatic event and needed to okay. coordinate critical incident debriefings. It could be employers calling in, needing a consultation around some issue or okay. needing to set up. 
something. So in the course of those 15 years, did you have the opportunity to work with any first responders or is this mm -hmm. your, oh, you did, okay. Yeah, so, you know, just like our EAP now, which is Canopy, um, we had lots of different groups. And mm -hmm. so um, among those were lots of different, you know, like, Tualatin Valley was one of our groups for a Got while, it. so we worked with them. Um, but we were also nationwide, so different fire departments uh, across the, okay. the country. Um, we worked with those. Great. I'm glad you said Canopy because I had Cascade still stuck in my head. Right. I was trying to remember the new Gotta name. Got to get out of that name. It's now <laughs> Canopy. What is it yeah. Now? It was a C. Okay. Okay. So, um, welcome to Portland Fire. Thank you. How long have you been um, with us? Uh, a month and a half. It's about pretty, pretty almost new. two months. Pretty new. It's very new. Okay. Very new. Can you give me give the folks membership an idea of what your job description is for the membership and I, I mean I guess you work for the bureau but I'm essentially you're or here helping the membership I know that there's mm -hmm. a, a component which is EAP coordination right but what else are part of sort of under your under your purview yeah so kind of the two main things would be EAP coordination and what that mm -hmm. means is helping the membership and their families access their mental health benefits whether it's through EAP or their insurance um, and kind of helping them navigate that world. It can be very challenging to access those benefits. And it's not just for benefits. It could be, um, well, counseling benefits. It could be, you know, it could be a, a lot of different things maybe they're looking for resources for. There's a lot under the umbrella of EAP. I used to know a lot more of what was yeah. the actual details, but there's quite a bit there. There's quite a bit. You know, the counseling benefit is the main portion, mm -hmm. but there's a legal benefit, a financial benefit, where mm -hmm. you get free consultations around issues that you might have. Um, they have lots of different uh, information and resources, webinars types things on their website on just all you know mm -hmm. different types of topics. Um, there's like an elder care and a child care benefit where you can get resources resources mm -hmm. for either of those. Hi, so Maud has had to step out for a second. She'll be right back. So we will continue. Um, we were just talking about EAP coordination. Mm -hmm. um, and let's, I'll put a pin in that, come back. Sure. But before we before we go, go deeper into that, what are some of the other things that mm -hmm. you said there's two parts? That was the first part. So the part. other main part would be um, coordinating the peer support team. Oh, yes, great. So that group has been going on for a number of years mm -hmm. um well you know people say that there was like a reboot of it in 2018 so i'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around what came before but you mm. guys have had a peer support team for a while but it hasn't had a true coordinator for a couple of years and so you know it does need someone to um, manage the day-to-day -day, yeah. coordinate the yeah. trainings right. do recruitment that sort of thing so that's going to be the other main component of the job right. you actually run some of the trainings like do some of the trainings or more likely organized to get uh clinicians in to do do training it could be both okay. um you know when you are part of the peer support team there's a couple of trainings that everybody um should be doing and one's like the iaff's training mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the other one is the sism training um and those we would have outside people do um those types of trainings but sism can you what is that yeah acronym? well are I say CISMs. Oh, okay. Some people say CISM. However, you want to call it, critical <laughs> incident stress management training. So um, understood, right? Yeah, and then you know quarterly trainings or just like ongoing trainings for the team right. members. Right. Um, I could be doing some of that. Team members might be doing some of that. Right. Yeah. So there's so many different directions we could go right now. So many. I'm not sure which one to, to go. Let's let's. Let's go down this the, the, the peer, peer support for a moment. Sure, let's do it. Okay, so you mentioned the peer support reboot. Mm -hmm. um, so 
there's some new members that may not know this, but most of the folks that have been around for a little bit, essentially what we're saying is you're essentially uh, taking the position that June Vining was in. And not maybe not exactly, mm-hmm. but in, in that same realm. So a lot of the same responsibilities. Right. Um, whether rightly or wrongly, there is a need for a reboot. There is some issues with, with trust throughout the system. And the reboot was essentially getting that IAFF training in. Mm-hmm. And I know about it just because I organized it. Okay. Um, and there was a reboot in terms of we, uh, everybody who was a peer supporter had no uh, interview, re-interview. Um, and to keep the spot and everybody who was going to stay in that spot was going to then had to go through this training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think, it's 2018, I think is what I it was. I think 2018, 2019 is in that, in that kind realm. of what I'm hearing. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was essentially the reboot, reboot without <clears throat> going too deep in the weeds. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we were able to, uh, on some level, get a couple of clinician, clinicians, Drew and Stephanie, in um, a sort of advisory role to help with the peer support team. They have since left that committee, mm-hmm. um, the Behavioral Health Committee, um, which is another um, well of information we could get into, probably may or may not. But um, I think that sort of encapsulates a very brief history of, of that, that system. And yeah. I really, the peer support network is a critical element to supporting the membership. So. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited you're here. Very excited for maybe getting it back um, since Drew and Stephanie have left. Get it back on its feet. Get it rolling. Yeah. Getting the uh, the uh, mechanisms in place for everyone to get the support they need, both support team as well as then their ability to do the work mm-hmm. that's there. So, have you had any meetings yet? Have you met uh, and done anything with the yeah? Support so, team? Um, you know, Chief Durr kind of laughed and he said, "By you know the end of." The, the year you'll know all the players in the you know mm-hmm. this area and this so I started off by meeting with a lot of the different peer support teams around us because I wanted to just kind of get their sense of how their teams are run and mm-hmm. what they see as pluses and minuses you the other bureaus so I've met with like Clackamas Fires peer support team I met with Portland Police um, their support oh, team great, right. and uh, have been communicating with um, Jeff Campbell who does Tualatin Valleys mm-hmm. and different clinicians that have worked with those as well mm-hmm. and then I've met um, um, you know, we've had a meeting with our peer support team, and mm-hmm. then individually, I've been setting up meetings with everybody on the team just to great, check in, um, get feedback, and um, you know, see if they have any suggestions or anything like that. And there was at one point, I believe, I don't think I said anymore, there were leads, uh, different shift leads, so they may be good. Po- I'm sure That's you've heard about that. a little bit different right now, yeah. but um, there's usually like a lead we, uh, for a week at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the ones that coordinate, like the traumatic event. You know, okay. when you check that traumatic event box um, and you get a call, they're the ones that coordinate that. Okay. So sort of um, r- the ripple effect rippling down uh, as I'm um, thinking about what the membership hopefully can uh, gain mm-hmm. from having your involvement now with this with, with this group is a little bit um, organizing all these different aspects you're talking about. The peer supporters will have, uh, and they have systems in place, but hopefully they'll have you as a nice support system and that they can do work more efficiently out in the companies as needed. Right. Yeah, I mean and the real quick caveat. I'm yeah. not saying they're not doing good work, but I mean I know there's always challenges. So. Right. Okay. I, I think they would probably agree that it, there just needed to be some tightening up, and mm-hmm. um, you know there's things that go along with that, like a peer support team manual that has been out there that we're working on editing and getting approved mm-hmm. right now. Um, that will kind of be like our operating, you know, 
procedures going forward. Um, and that I think is key priority for me right now. The manual. That, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to get that set up. And um, Have you get, gotten any sense of any roadblocks that will be in the way for getting that taken care of? Uh, well, this is my first government job and I'm learning that <clears throat> bureaucracy is sometimes the wheels turn very slowly. Glacial pace. Yeah. Moves at a glacial pace. So that has been interesting for me to see because I've always worked either in for-profit or non-profit and it's mm-hmm. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I'm a, you know, kind of an outsider a little bit, like yes. I, I'm okay with, uh, just kind of pushing and pushing and, you know, being that little annoying person who's like, come on, mm-hmm. can we do this? Can we do this? So mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, I have big dreams. Good. Well, uh, let's pivot real quick. Yeah. As being an outsider, Mm -hmm. I learned when I met you shortly, uh, shortly ago, well well said, a little bit ago, a short time ago, um, you're an outsider to the organization, but not necessarily to the memberships, Mm -hmm. the memberships, the membership. So could you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So I am married to a Portland firefighter, Mm -hmm. um, Jason Stein, and he works at 28s. Newer to the department. I really don't know how long, I would say three years or less. Okay. Um, so new to Portland Fire, but yeah, so I have some knowledge of Portland Fire. Okay. Um, I have knowledge definitely from the family aspect of what it's like to right. be in a fire family. That's something, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely something. So um, yeah, I think ultimately that's a plus, mm-hmm. you know? I think having that knowledge is a plus. And then I also can see that there would be concerns about um, having that relationship with a Portland firefighter. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I definitely understand that as well. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. For a second or two. There, again, rightly or wrongly, have been issues about the idea and the concepts and the reality of confidentiality, whether it's with the support, the peer support team or with the EAP coordinator. Um, so you have a very close relationship mm-hmm. with a Portland firefighter. I do. So you may come across information about other firefighters in your position, mm-hmm. which is, by law, strictly confidential. Yes. We have to be able to trust that yeah. there is no breach of that at any point uh, throughout your you know personal relationships. Yeah, I will say... Uh, And everyone that I've been meeting at Portland Fire since I started this job, everybody has brought up confidentiality. Mm -hmm. Um, So not knowing, I'm not, you know, I don't have information on what happened before I came here, and that's fine. But I'm aware that things have happened Mm -hmm. and that there's a lot of mistrust there and Mm -hmm. that confidentiality is first on people's minds. Mm -hmm. Initially, when this kept getting brought up, I will say uh, I was very surprised mainly because... I am a social worker and I've been a social worker for 25 plus years. I'm a licensed social worker Mm -hmm. and confidentiality is just sort of like baked into your profession. It's part Mm. of your code of ethics. It's part of your licensure. It just, it just is, um, it just is something that is what you do. Um, and so to have so many people bring it up as like, forefront of mm-hmm. something that they were concerned about was very surprising to me mm-hmm. because from my perspective as a social worker, um, it is just always something that I have done. Uh, I've worked in lots of um, organizations where you have to follow HIPAA guidelines. Yeah. Like I said, it's part of my code of ethics. I'm licensed. Um, so 
It's something that I've always done in every job that I've ever had. Yes. Um, I am really proficient at uh, my work self and my personal self. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, you know, I have two children and a life and a family. And when I'm not at work, honestly, we have lots of things to talk yeah. about. <laughs> we don't always yeah. just talk about Portland Fire when I'm off work. So, um, but yeah, I do understand that uh, some things have happened. Right. People are very concerned about confidentiality. My goal is to um, just put in the time and the work and put myself out there and build that trust back up yeah. over time. And yeah. I expect that it's going to take It'll time take and I'm time. okay with that. Yeah. So. And I think that probably, I don't know uh, what your day-to-day looks like, but you probably would be certainly welcome to make sta- do make station visits uh, if you want to get Yeah, I've meet, done meet some of those okay. as well. I did a ride-along with Station 1 last uh-huh. week. That was great. And then this week I'm doing some uh, lunches at Station 13 and Station 15. Awesome. So, and I'm building those in. I would love to, I have like a lofty goal of 2023 to hit every station, every Mm -hmm. shift. So Mm -hmm. that's a lot. That's a lot. I know it's lofty, like I said. So I don't know if I'll be able to make it, but at least every station. Right. At least one shift. Right. I mean, that that would be very reasonable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it sounds like you have the, and I'm not trying, I'm sort of struggling for the right words, but the education and credential, credentials that support not just the concept, but the legal binding right. of a, the confidentiality yeah, clause. Definitely. Um, so that needed to be said, needed to be talked yeah. about. Um, and hopefully that is a rift that can be, it can be, it will it be healed. It can be, and it, and it will, will be, be and it will take time. And unfortunately, there may be a little element of, of being married to a firefighter that may be something to, to get through. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I mean, not a big one, but I think that people should recognize that that's, that is oh, part yeah. of your life mm-hmm. and that, um, that being the case, you're still professional and you still understand how this works right. and it's never just non-negotiable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I want to, uh, I mentioned before coming back to EAP. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to pull that pin out and go back over there. Okay. Um, so you, the first thing you heard about what you said was confidentiality. I'm guessing, I'm total wild guess here. The second thing is people talking about having bad EAP experiences. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Well, and not just bad EAP experiences, but really challenges getting connected with a mental health provider. And so I will, I will start off this portion of it by saying I've been doing this work for a long time working with connecting people with mental health counselors all over the country, but Mm. also specifically in the Pacific Northwest, Portland area. Mm -hmm. And um, in Portland in particular, one thing that's very a little bit unique about our city is that we have prioritized mental health maybe more than some other cities. Mm -hmm. So we have had a higher utilization rate than some of the other cities have. So that was even pre-COVID. Across the whole city, you think, or just you're talking about fire? I'm talking about across the whole city okay. in general. Okay. We'll get to fire in a minute, okay. but just in yeah. general. So then COVID happened, and um, as everybody's probably aware, lots of people started accessing mental health services right. for all different kinds of things, right. rightly so, right? Sure. And what that means is now you have like um, a high demand, and you really don't have enough counselors to meet that demand. Right. And so that's when appointments start taking a long time. It's hard to get into somebody. Um, and that we have found has not slowed down. Mm-hmm. So there was like a huge spike at some point during COVID and that has just stayed that way. And then another part of that is youth counselors. You uh-huh. know, like if you have a hundred counselors, maybe five work with youth. They're just right. a really small pool. 
And those counselors... And that demand has skyrocketed. Completely overwhelmed. Skyrocketed, so it is yeah. um, so challenging to get appointments for youth right now. Right. So... So that's kind of my my spiel about like it counselors are really busy. Um, across the board. Across, across the, board. the board. And even before COVID, I'll say the culturally competent to first responders were right. already busy because there were not a lot of them. There's not a lot of them. So that list that we have on Target Solutions, I believe it has like 20 counselors on it. So I reached out to all of them. Mm -hmm. Maybe four we're taking clients at mm -hmm. this point. Most are on a wait list. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to beef up that list a little bit. Right. So I'm going to be adding more people well, to it. Interesting. I was, that was on my list to bring up because mm -hmm. I was originally part of that, having that list put on mm -hmm. Target Solutions, and it was five originally. Yeah. And I knew all five of them. Um, so I just randomly looked at it recently within the past week, and I saw this, this like uh, spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's a, lot. that's a lot. I didn't know there were so many. Right. I knew there were a couple had been added, so it's quite a few. But I guess that again, it's like, it's great to have a long list, but if you can't get in any of them for six months, right. maybe it's not quite as good as it looks. Yeah. Yeah, the list isn't as good as it looks. All of those people are fabulous, by the way, mm, and good. they all have great experience. Good, good. Um, there's a number of people on that list that don't take insurance or EAP. They're private pay only. So, you know, sometimes if you're willing to, you know, fork out the cash for that, you can get it. But we have such great mental health benefits through right. um, our EAP and mm -hmm. our insurance that that's kind of like a real shame. But that is a, you know, that is an option for some people. So I'm going to work on beefing up that list and, um, you know, if you are reaching out to your EAP to get help mm -hmm. with getting access to a counselor and you're having a hard time, call me. And I have Good. contacts within the um, within Canopy that I can work with. Okay. I can also do the legwork for you because one of the more frustrating things is making those calls to counselors, you know, right. and you're just like call after call. And I can do that work well, and that's not a problem. No one's going to make call after call. They're going to make <clears> one call. Right. And that's been my experience. And I've heard that story so many times. Yeah. They made one call. They've actually talked to somebody. And that, that was such a bad experience. They're like, they're like, I'm never doing that again. Right. Yes. I hear that a lot. You know, that's really unfortunate because um, counselors, I mean, they're just like people. You're not going to click with everybody. Yeah. And even though, you know, it is hard to make that one call and meet with someone, don't think about it as like, this is the only chance I get. Like, they are people too, and right. you are not going to click with everybody. Such and if good, you have yeah. an experience the first time that just doesn't seem like it's a great fit, try someone else. Like, you will find someone right. that, you know, that you click with better, that you have a better experience with. Such good advice. And then yeah. you can reach out to me if you are having find, uh, trouble finding someone. I, I will help you with that. Right. So um, that, that actually, you just answered my question, but I'll ask, I'll ask it anyway. Mm -hmm. So I know, of course, the peer support folks, they could call you if, they, if they're mm -hmm. for somebody else, sort of yeah. mediation. But you, you're okay members also with direct call. Oh, direct yeah. You can call me. My um, information is on Target Solutions. but I think it is, yeah. My number is 503-209-8324, and my email is tara.stein at portlandoregon.gov. Mm -hmm. um, and my office... Um, you can, you're more than welcome to come by there too. Um, so there's where, lots of ways you can get in touch with me. Where's your so office? So my office <laughs> is at training. Uh -huh. And uh, I know some people have voice concerns that, mm -hmm. you know, it's there with all the chiefs. 
And yeah, I could see that that would be a concern as well. But um, there's lots of other ways to get in touch with me. You can call me. We can set up a Zoom meeting. I can mm-hmm. meet you out somewhere um, mm-hmm. at a coffee shop. I can come to your station. Um, so right. there's lots of different ways that you can connect with me versus just coming to my office at training. Got it. So yeah, I mean, I've heard that as well. It's like, mm-hmm. who's going to want to walk in through right. Chief's Row and knock on your door? Right. Um, and you know, I understand that. Like, if you're if you're really wanting to reach out to me for something that um, you feel is very private and you don't want to anyone else to know about, right. You don't want to do that, and I get that. Give me a call. We'll set something up. Otherwise, and if you don't want to write it down an email, yeah, just call. Just call me. Call. Yeah. Um, chief related. I think I saw on the the workflow. Are you in the office of the chiefs? Do you? I mean, would you? If, as far as reporting, if you had to report back, do you report directly to the chief or how? Uh, chief Durr is my. Oh, so direct... you're under. This, is he? What is his? I should know um, this. He used to be safety chief. I'm not sure what he's is. He's not. He's like health and wellness. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. Sorry, John. It's like a new um, position, I believe. It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sort of things I should know, but sort of slip right. away. <laughs> Um, okay, so essentially that is your uh, chain of command. That's my chain of command, yeah. Okay. Okay, so I think we've done a pretty good job of introducing your, mm-hmm. you and some of your background, some of the important topics. Is there anything that um, you would like to sort of just get out as a general thought or ideas to the membership or some of your yeah. goals for the next few months or anything Uh, that you're working on that sort of thing right yeah well you know right now i'm getting my you know sea legs i'm getting my Mm -hmm. feet underneath me getting um trained up in everything uh my probably my main focus for the next few months is getting peer support solid we Mm -hmm. have some trainings that are coming up for that and we'll be doing a recruitment sometime next year so be thinking about that we'll be putting out um the word for nominations for that for people um so that's going to be a big focus getting a uh, clinicians added to our list on target solutions, mm-hmm. getting some more resources on there as well. Mm-hmm. And then some kind of goals a little bit farther out um, is just maybe some more focus on the um, other aspects of behavioral health and wellness right. that right. might be um, it might be trainings. It might be just information. You know, there's like the big buckets that yeah. a lot of, you know, that affect firefighters. You know, right. we have like um, the sleep issues. We mm-hmm. have uh, suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, PTSD, depression, anxiety, substance mm. use, relationship issues. Mm. So, you know, some big buckets that, um, you know, there's lots of departments out there that are doing some pretty cool things, some good work mm-hmm. working on those. I don't need to invent, reinvent the wheel, right. but no, yeah. definitely finding what's working out there and trying to bring it in and incorporate mm-hmm. it. Um, I know money's an issue. That's always the big thing that I, I hear. Um, huh. But like I said, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but I know that there's stuff out there that people right. are doing. Absolutely. And, I mean, and these are like critical buckets that yes. affect firefighters. So. All those things you said are great. Those all yeah. sound like great goals. And like, I think that... Uh, you know, it's been this behavioral health world has become more and more brought more and more out into the light over the past, I'm going to say, five, eight years yeah. in our industry. And there's going to be a lot of people that are still you know, firefighters, people mm-hmm. that are going to be resistant. But the more we can be, it can literally be talked about yeah. at the kitchen table and that may be facilitated through you when your station visits, the more people are going to be um, comfortable with just the ideas and the thoughts and the ability that yeah. there is that sort of help and that it's, it's fine. It's good. It can be really helpful. I think so too. Not, not everybody has it. to use it. Not everybody has to right. avail themselves, but it can be great for the person sitting next to you right? or the person working the next shift. So like 
if it's not your bag, fine, but it really could be helpful for someone else. Someone else. And you know what? Right now it might not be your bag. Hmm. Five years down the road, something may happen and yeah. you do want to access services some way, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So just normalizing it, making it available. Right. Getting it out there so people right. just think it's part of, you know, every day at this point. Yeah. Just like any other training, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the other, I mean, it's not an elephant in the room, but just the other element to your position. You just mm-hmm. said money is always an issue. And it has been from the beginning yeah. of my career, everyone's career. Uh, your position currently, it's, it's one you're funding. Right. Um, I think everybody, well, you know that. Everybody knows that. But I mean, the idea being <clears throat> we really f- find the position indispensable. Is that the right word? Indispensable? can't live without it so that it just it just um continues and it's never a a great way to go through things and make it continually one year spending one year spending it needs to be permanent a permanent uh, budget line item but i guess this is that foot in the door it's the foot in the door and i think everyone's goal and intention is for it to be a permanently funded position Mm -hmm. um but this was the way to get it the foot in the door so your counterpart uh, the health and wellness coordinator Mm -hmm. jessica yeah has her that position it's not her position but the position is in our contract right so it's not out of the out of the um, realm of possibility that it gets put into the the next contract yeah i mean that would uh, solidify it for I want to say time immemorial, but it'll solidify for the uh, the future. Right. Yeah. And she's actually done some great things. Oh my gosh, I she's really great. love yeah. her, and yes. I love a lot of the stuff that she's done on Target Solutions. I love her little um, trainings, and I love the information that she has out there. And I'd love to, you know, work with her some more and collaborating mm-hmm. and things like that. Are you familiar with the WFI Wellness and Fitness Initiative from the uh, IFF? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um, there's you know basically five points, mm-hmm. five point strategy, and really, the behavioral health coordinator and the wellness coordinator. Those are two. They're like heads of departments, and right. you had staffs, and you have people you were and that are hired. That's the beginning of it. But now it's a it's a staff of one. But having someone who's in charge coordinating is mm-hmm. really a critic critical to the health, just right. overall health, of it, yes. of our our group. Yeah. No, I think they go hand in hand. You can't, really can't separate them out. So indeed. Um, well, thank you for your time. Thank you. We lost Maud. We uh, lost Maud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she would have stuff to add. She's she's more um, into the details mm-hmm. these days than yeah. I am. I'm more of a ten thousand foot view. I don't really have all the in, in not in all the meetings anymore. If she comes back in a minute, we'll we'll just jump back on. Okay, but, um, that sounds there, good. I think that's that's all I have. So anything all right. anything that's else? Good. Well, I don't think so. Um, I guess I'm always, if you have any ideas or there's things that you would like to see and it may not happen immediately, mm. shoot me an email, give me a call. I'd love to get people's ideas on how they think the behavioral health um, area of Portland Fire and Rescue can be improved on. Awesome. I and we all wish you the best of luck. And let's shoot for maybe uh, next year. Sitting down doing this again and yeah. see and talk about the, talk about the things that that uh, you've achieved and mm-hmm. the next goals for for the next year or something something like that. That sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks. Thank you.